Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm a feminist, but I'm wildly inconsistent about my age. <laughs> so that every friend of mine thinks I'm a different age. <laughs> Not because I'm worried about how old I am now, but because I'm worried about how old I'll be in 15 years' time when society will start to write me off because I am a woman and society is an asshole. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but when I was attending a seminar about feminism and the woman on stage said... It's a problem that we teach women to care more about what they're going to wear for the next party than about getting that promotion. I thought, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to wear for the next big party. <laughs> and I spent the next half hour internet shopping on my phone. I didn't hear a word she said. That was really her fault. She shouldn't have provoked she that. She shouldn't no. have said that. She should be told. I'm a feminist, but one day last week, I woke up singing Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke. <laughs> Specifically, the lyrics, you're a good girl, I know you want it, you're the hottest bitch in this place. Was your husband like, thank you? <laughs> And I was, see Tom just sliding off the bed. <laughs> going, he, I, wasn't, I was on a retreat. Oh, okay. I was on my own. I promise. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but recently I was carrying a suitcase whilst limping, and a man offered to carry it. And I said, okay, but it's only because I have this limp. And he carried it up the stairs. But... I was only limping because I wanted him to carry the suitcase. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the old limping rule. <laughs> I'm a feminist. 
But recently, at karaoke, I got involved in a drunken rendition of Billy Joel's Only the Good Die Young, which includes the lyrics, Come on, Virginia, don't make me wait. You Catholic girls start much too late, but sooner or later it comes down to fate. I might as well be the one, darling, only the good die young. It is not a consensual song. <laughs> but did you sing it like that? I did, at karaoke, I did. <laughs> Come on, Virginia, don't make me wait. You Catholic girls start much too late. That's I did, I did, and people liked it. People liked it. They said it was an interesting cover. It's like poetry slam. It's a very catchy tune, though, and I have not been able to get it out of my head since. I don't think I know it. You don't know it? I don't think so. Come on, Virginia, don't make me wait. You Catholic girls start much too late. Ah, but sooner or later it comes down to fate. We're obviously totally different generations. (laughs) I'm wildly vague about my age. Uh, oh, oh, oh. You told me you were 29, so... <laughs> I did, but then another day I told you I was 31. So you'll never know the real age. I'm a feminist, but I wasn't always a feminist. I used to be an anti-feminist because I lived in Denmark where I was part of a culture where feminism was used as an insult, where feminists are constantly mocked by the media and comedians. And I was oblivious to the point where I ended up doing a joke on Danish TV where the punchline was, women have no sense of humor. It got a huge applause by the other comedians. As soon as I got to England, I started learning about feminism and I realized that I'd been an idiot for a very long time. Uh, Feminists in Denmark are fighting a tremendously hard battle against an entire system and an entire culture that's against them. And I know Danish feminists who are closet feminists, who are like scared to tell their friends that they're feminists. And that's why we're recording a live episode of The Guilty Feminist in Denmark. Welcome to the show. And it is lovely to be here in Copenhagen. Thank you so much for having me. You've all been so welcoming and delightful. I would play this space every single night with this same audience. That would be really cool because then all the the other comics won't have a place to be. On if we all chip in, we can buy this place. <laughs> um, you're listening to The Guilty Feminist, the podcast about our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Tonight, we are talking about the internet in all its feminist glory. <laughs> what a safe space for the feminist, the internet. <laughs> Gosh, she can just dive on right in there, can't you? The internet, always on our side, always on our side. Not a scary jungle in any way. I've had hardly any rape threats this morning. So, Sophie, what was your challenge? So, what happened was, a few, I think it was a few months ago, I did a tweet, which I do quite regularly, and I often tweet about feminist stuff, so it wasn't really that different. But I, when my tweet was something along the lines of, Dear women who are anti-feminists, there's better dick on the right side of history. Yeah. It's not, like, it's not like the most amazing tweet in the world. It's just a 
thought in the middle of the night kind of thing. But a troll saw this. Yeah. And one of the big trolls, uh, one with like 15,000 followers, and he uh, retweet. I I'm just assuming he, by the way, sorry for being sexist. Uh, oh, sorry, I meant factual. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, so this uh, person, whatever, retweeted that, and that uh, means in like troll universe, that means attack. So for about two or three weeks, I got uh, maybe 100 tweets an hour from all these different accounts. There was no personality about them. It was just like a weird name, like a username that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Uh, their photo would be like a cartoon character. Usually the cover photo on their Twitter profiles would be a screenshot of someone really famous who blocked them. So one of them had like, share just blocked your account. And that was like a pride thing. So they wanted you to block them, which in the beginning I did, which I learned was a huge mistake, because that just made them like thirsty for blood. They would go, oh, just got blocked by Sophie Hagen, and then lots of them would go and write me and go, oh, oh, you're a bitch, I bet you're gonna block me now. So I learned to mute them. And I did this, I would wake up every hour, and I would just delete, 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 mute, 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 just hundreds of thousands of just messages about just nothing, and it was just trolling. So some of them were really horrible rape and death threats, and some of them were just them writing something like, feminism sucks, or you're wrong, or just... And I was filming a thing at the time, and I was swimming with some, some men, and they were kind of going, oh, you keep checking your Twitter all the time. And then I started reading out the messages, and I would do that every time I got one. And they were like, this is really annoying. And I was like, yes, <laughs> it is very annoying. I asked on Facebook, and I said, what do I do? 20, 30 of my female comedian colleagues wrote, oh, when this happened to me, I did this. This is something that happened to everyone. One of them suggested that I got the blue tick, which I don't, if you don't know, it's uh, the thing that kind of is called like the verification on Twitter. It basically, you get like a little blue thingy uh, at the end of your uh, username, and that means that it's definitely you. Like Twitter has verified that this is your account. When you get that, I heard, you get like a quality filter so the really mean messages doesn't go through. So I wrote Twitter, I explained everything, and I got the answer a few days ago, and they, I, wasn't, I wasn't qualified to get the, the verification thing. So I kind of failed my challenge trying to get this blue tick. It's the only thing I could think of that, was, that could do something to control this. Because the only other option, if you don't want this, is to stop tweeting about feminism, and fuck no, that's not gonna happen. Because uh, this is kind of what we need. <laughs> I, I'm sure you will get the blue tick in good time. Uh, and in the meantime, I hope that you don't have another bout of... You don't get this every day, do you? You, you got that in I a, mean, you get it once in a, in a while, but this was like a, a, that was like a, a war. Like they announced like an attack. It's a huge community of people who are just like, this is all they do. And mm. they take such a pride in doing it. You just it. think, what an odd full-time job for people to take on. Like, <laughs> who would want to do that? <laughs> Gentlemen, Sophie Hagen, Denmark's finest. Hello, hello. I, um, I'll tell you a story. A friend of mine brought his friend to my birthday party, and uh, his friend was very hot. And you do know the rule, you know, if someone brings someone to your birthday party, you get to keep them. <laughs> And 
I wanted to do that. And we did end up talking all night, and I, I felt a thing, and I don't know, I mean, what I felt was, this is a very attractive man, and I feel a bit like I really want to have sex with it, him, it. The, the penis attached to the man. But said man was very busy. So here's what I did. So I went on the internet, and I found his profile. I went back, not too far, maybe just 2007. <laughs> and about a year before that, uh, a year before I did this, uh, so a year ago, he had posted, hey, I like to play snooker. Does anyone want to play snooker? So I wrote a status saying, hey, does anyone want to meet up and like, I don't know, play like pool or like snooker or like chess? Uh, and then lots of idiots replied like, yeah, me. I'm like, go fuck yourself. It's not what I mean. And people are like, I'd love to play chess. I'm like, I don't want to play chess. Don't you get what I'm doing? So the guy didn't say anything. So I thought, oh, he's not seen it. So I tagged that mutual friend of ours, the guy who gave him to me. <laughs> and I said, hey, do you want to play snooker? And he wrote, no. But then the guy saw it. It popped up on his Facebook. And uh, for the listeners at home, at the moment, I have a bit of a crazed look in my eyes. And so the guy wrote, hey, what a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> we should totally play snooker. He said yes, and we set a date for a week. And a week, if you don't know, is a very short time if you want to learn how to play snooker. <laughs> so I watched like 11 snooker tournaments on YouTube trying to learn the rules of this game. And I really, really, I mean, I knew everything about it. And I turned up at this, what I assumed was a date. And we were standing in this big snooker pool place. And he said, oh, there are no available tables. And I said, there is, there's one right there. And he looked at me and he said, that's a pool table. <gasps> and I said, <laughs> I know, you wanna just get a beer? And I made sure he got so drunk that he forgot to play snooker. <laughs> At the end of the night, he leaned in and kissed me on the cheek and said, oh, I'm really happy we're friends. Aww. Yes, at this point, he'd been talking a lot all night. I was no longer interested. Um, <laughs> we're now pretty good friends. And because I've shared this story, I feel like I should promote his band. Uh, so he'll get something out of this as well, because we never did play pool or snooker or whatever that game was. I've, I've forgotten all about it now. I do not know the rules, but he has a really cool uh, LGBT plus band called Spook School. He's the drummer. Look him up. He's so hot. It's called Nile. Anyways, thank you for listening. <laughs> was actually to take on someone who was anti-feminist on the internet and instead of just avoiding it, like to reason with them and see if I could get them 
to come to a reasonable place. So to reason with them in a way and not just go in like, oh, well, you're this and you're that. And to see if through reasoning I could get through. And there'll be a lot of people on Twitter that you cannot get through to. But I thought, look, I'm just going to find somebody who has been aggressive and been anti-feminist and see what I can do. So this is what happened. I'm going to read it to you. Um, I write for a magazine called Standard Issue. It's an online magazine set up by a guest that we have had on, Sarah Millican. And they retweet every now and again. They'll direct everybody's attention to an article. And this article was one that I'd written about taking my clothes off for a life-drawing modeling session. It was for the very first Guilty Feminist. So they wrote, Deborah F.W. took her kit off in the name of feminism. And then there was this charcoal sketch of me naked and someone called <gasps> no I won't say it no someone calls some a guy a chap called nobody um, uh, let's call him John so a guy called John wrote to standard issue and to me it's great that you had the guts to do something like that but in the name of feminism ridiculous but he'd written feminism hashtag but he'd written it as femenism like with no, instead of feminism and i thought well that's kind of nice because he's putting the men into feminism <laughs> and um, so I wrote back, for that hashtag to be most efficient, you might need to spell feminism correctly. You're, you're welcome to listen to our podcast, The Guilty Feminist, if you'd like to understand why I did it, John. And he wrote back, is your whole argument to my statement that I made a spelling error weak? And I am, I'm becoming more aware, because someone actually on The Guilty Feminist group said, when you make... Sometimes it's really fun to take the piss out of somebody who's being very rude and aggressive because they've made a spelling error, but actually that in itself is not very inclusive because some people don't spell well for whatever reason. And you then make them feel like, I better not say anything or I'll get called out on it. But actually I wasn't really. I just thought it was funny he'd put feminism. And I just wrote, nope, just pointing out if you want to find other feminism haters, you'll have to spell the hashtag word correctly. (laughs) And he wrote, I'd be intrigued to hear how as a feminist you feel this nudity represents equality. And I wrote... Well, women are judged on their appearance in a way men aren't. This creates a world in which women often feel insecure about their appearance and that their bodies are somehow not good enough. By doing this, I feel I made myself a little more entitled to be in the body I have and love it, not feel judged by it. If you read the article, you will see how it helped me. And uh, he wrote, I don't care about any article. And then he said, I want to know why you're a feminist. There are just as many obese guys, probably more who feel insecure. The perfect body is completely different to every person. For example, I like girls with a healthy figure and something to grab onto. Some blokes like being crushed by huge women. Wait, what was his Twitter handle? Uh, (laughs) I like this guy. (laughs) My neighbor likes chubby blokes. Other friends like ripped guys. Perfect. Um, I said, women of all sizes feel insecure because of the culture we live in. The article explains it all. Read it if you fancy it. Night, night. And then he said, uh, feminism is just another form of segregation. You want equality for all. Equal representation. That's how you get equality for men and women. (laughs) Equal. And so I wrote, what I do for my own body confidence is surely up to me. If you really want equal representation, we would have to insist on many more female MPs and representatives in the media. We don't need to fight for more male prime ministers and presidents, do we? If you want things to stay the same, you don't want equality. And it's best not to say, my article is ridiculous if you won't read it. And he wrote back, I apologize. That wasn't aimed at your article. I won the internet! So... 
And I wrote, thank you, nice to hear. And then we didn't speak anymore. He didn't write back and he didn't write anything mean. So I did, I felt like I reasoned him round and there was a little bit of, you know, push and pull between us. But ultimately, he was reasonable and he came around and I think it made him think about it. And I, I just checked and I haven't seen anything more anti-feminist on his Twitter feed since that time. And before that, there was anti-feminist stuff on his Twitter feed. So he stopped doing it. So sometimes you can win one on the internet. But do you, know, do you have the expression in English about... Uh, fighting with pigs? <laughs> no. You, we, we, a wrestle with pig. Like if you wrestle with a pig, you get dirty and the pig enjoys it. Do we have that in Denmark? Have I made this up? But I feel like I, I enjoyed it and he got muddy. Am I the pig in this? <laughs> no, he's the, it's, it's like... You, Okay, this is very relevant to the guest we're going to have on because that is patience. I would have called him things and you were being so nice and maybe that is the way forward. <laughs> maybe you should be nice, but... No, I like to win people over because I just believe people are reasonable and good at heart. Why? Because I... Why I really, cause, because that? look, this guy, he came around and he said, you know, I apologize and he said I, it wasn't aimed at your oh, article and he right. said some other nice stuff. But I you're think right. there's no chance of winning if you attack the person. You have to reason them through. And it is true, you can't rationalize someone out of a position they didn't come into rationally. So some people are irrational, they're frightened, they just don't want it, they don't want to hear about it. But occasionally you'll find someone that is, and let's win them over one person you're at a time. You're absolutely right. You're, ab- you're 100% right, and we need people like you, and I wish I could be that. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm more like the yelly. I'm yelly as he's someone who yells. The, <laughs> not jelly. I'm a jelly person. Um, I know no Yelly one. Jelly is a great rap name for I'm you. I'm a yelly jelly. <laughs> no, it's MC not. MC Yelly Jelly. I don't like it. I can see it. Welcome to the stage, Deborah Francis White. I don't think you really understand the power of the internet and how much you can find out about people you don't know until you try to find your biological family there. So I'd never seen anybody related to me ever. I was adopted as a baby. And I didn't want to go through an agency and express intention to find, because I wasn't sure if I wanted to find them. Anyone else in who's adopted? Just go, woo. Really? Seriously? In a room this size? You were raised by your parents? No chance. They were lying to you. <laughs> Some, somebody here is adopted. Seriously. If you suspect... Anyone not look like anyone in their family? Just put your hand up. Okay, so I'm afraid to tell you. You're adopted. Um, so, um, in fact, I know, I know that's true. A lot of people of my generation were not... The, the parents were not honest with them. I know that because I had a pen pal when I was 12. <laughs> And I wrote to her, and she was set up by a mutual family friend, and I wrote to her and said, "Um, Uncle Tom said we have something in common because we're both adopted. And she wrote back and said, I'm not adopted. And I wrote back and said, I've checked with Uncle Tom, and you definitely are. (laughs) Never heard from her again. Um, so, uh, so yeah, sometimes. But I always knew I was adopted, and, uh, but I didn't want to find them. I wasn't sure what I was going to find. Other people are always very keen for you to find your adopted family. They say, you should find them, because I'm curious. <laughs> so, uh, but I didn't want to. I wasn't sure what I'd find. Uh, but when Facebook came around, I was like, hmm, hmm. I, I, you know, if I had the name, if I had the town... I could just have a little, a little look here in the same way that you might Google an old boyfriend late at night to reassure yourself that he is indeed bald. <laughs> and uh, that's a very specific... 
personal clap there. That's an incredibly personal clap. That's one lady going, the fucker is bald. That's right. I bided my time. And uh, so I was just looking in that way. So I found out the name of my biological family, like the, the surname, and I found out the name of the town. The name was Pearl, which is a very unusual name, and the town was Brisbane in Australia, which is not a very big city. So I thought pretty much anyone in Brisbane called Pearl is going to be related to me. So I took a deep breath, and I put Pearl Brisbane into Facebook. First person to come up was a guy called Clint Pearl. He kind of looked like a surfer dude. And he was wearing a t-shirt that said, it ain't gonna suck itself. (laughs) This is why you don't look. (laughs) Oh, you should look, because I'm curious. This is why you don't look. And this guy had no privacy settings at all. None. Like, I'm not making any of this up. He had no privacy settings at all. And, and at first I thought, well, maybe, like, like, let's not judge him. Let's not judge him. Maybe his friends have clubbed together to get him that T-shirt. Because it's, it's a joke. It's so ironic. Because Clint's such a feminist. <laughs> so ironic. So I looked further. I looked further in his completely exposed Facebook profile. And under About Me, he'd put, I'm that guy who taught your girlfriend that thing you like. Yeah, and he had uh, lots of funny pictures in his albums. Uh, The first picture was of a caveman with a woman over his shoulder. (laughs) And the caption was, Dating 101. Most of his humour was (laughs) abduction-based. And then, then there was a picture of a girl leaning over. Well, it wasn't a girl. It was a bottom leaning over with a thong. And underneath it said, Jailbait, because if you don't hit it, someone else will. Now... I'm going to tell you something now that's going to make you shudder. That man had a nine-year-old daughter. Yeah, hear that noise you're making? Now imagine that's the only person you've ever seen related to you and now make a fucking noise. <laughs> this is what you could find out about people on the internet. And please do check your privacy settings when you go home because, you know, there could be someone in Melbourne doing a show about you. <laughs> um, the next person I found on Facebook was a guy called Bob Pearl. His main picture was of a big purple boy racer car with a spoiler on the back. And in the albums, he had pictures of the open, empty boot. Like the trunk of the car, just empty and open. Why? Why did he have that? And down the side, one of his friends had put, have you got any pictures of the engine bay, mate? He said, yeah, mate. He said, can you put them up, mate? He said, I have, mate. I came off Facebook discouraged. I just Googled Pearl Brisbane. The first guy to come up was a guy called David Pearl on LinkedIn. I thought, encouraging, got a job. The only way I can describe David Pearl to you is if you were to put the square root of boring into a calculator, this man would be your answer. He, he had the word optimise in his job description seven times. I suppose it's not going to optimise itself. I thought, what can I do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I shouldn't have looked. I shouldn't have looked. You should not look on the internet. You can find out things on the internet. You do not want to find out. I shouldn't have looked. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because not knowing, I'm fine with. Not knowing, I've done all my life. Not knowing anyone, I'm fine with. But I cannot walk around for the rest of my life thinking I've seen three people related to me and they're suck at self-engine bay and optimise. <laughs> so I did what you would do. I hired a private detective. <laughs> 
and I stalked people the old-fashioned 1940s way. <laughs> because in the 1940s, you didn't have Facebook. You had Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> he found out the information and he brought it back to you. In many ways, I feel the world was a safer place. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Shall we bring on our guest? I, because, yeah, uh, our guest is called Emma Hulton, and in 2011, Emma became the victim of non-consensual pornography, and she started an online project called Consent, which went viral all over the world, and today, she's changing how feminism is viewed in Denmark by openly talking about her experiences and reclaiming her space. Please welcome to the stage, Emma Hulton. <laughs> Queen of Denmark now. Yeah. I wish Lucky. it was like this every day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so tell us about your experience. It sounds incredible and terrifying. Uh, yes, all of those things at once. I'm like um, uh, thousands of others is a victim of online harassment. The way it happened to me was uh, in a sexual way where my privacy was violated and thousands of people decided that I didn't deserve human rights and then they threatened me and harassed me till the point of extreme mental unhealth. Wow. So, funny part ending. <laughs> <laughs> but then you took it back, like in the, in, I mean, and I think that's the first time I heard of you was when you did uh, Consent. I, like you, was an anti-feminist. I was very much, you know, I don't need other women, I only need myself, la la la, all that bullshit, you've heard it a thousand times before. And then when you become a victim of a crime or a gendered type of violence, you realize, holy shit, it doesn't matter that I don't care that I'm a woman when other people seem to care a lot that I'm a woman. And that's what happened to me. The Consent Project was a way to kind of shift the conversation away from sex to consent. Because I realized when we talk about revenge porn or non-consensual pornography, there is this narrative of, oh, this young generation with their selfies, huh? <laughs> they only think about themselves, they only think about the sharing their tits with other people, they're so narcissistic, they're always chatting away, they don't care about society, so they deserve harassment. That's basically the narrative. And I said, you know what? That's not true at all. It's not about nudity. I don't care about people seeing my tits. I care about choosing when people see my tits. I think you've moved so many boundaries within feminism oh, thank by you. doing that, wow. right? I get very moved. So Emma, for people who don't know, how exactly did you take back your consent? I had uh, Cecilia Butker, the photographer, take new nude pictures of me in everyday situations in my own apartment that were the goal, there were, it was kind of a twofold goal. One was to show, you know, I feel fine about nudity as long as I have a choice. And the other thing was to show a representation of women that was different than what we regularly see. The attempt was, you know, is it possible to even take a picture of a naked woman the way she sees herself? 
Like the way that I, what I see when I look in the mirror in the morning is not um, a sexualized person. It's not a person that is desired by others. It's a person who uh, can fall ill and a person who's worried about shit and a person who's happy and a person who's laughing and a person who's talking. It's not this silent thing. And we wanted to see if we could capture that. And I think that um, the response uh, is that Cecilia Butker uh, managed to do that. And I'm very, very proud of what we did. And did you find that that counteracted the revenge porn that had been put out against you? And did it, did it in some way make people back away from that other stuff? Or was it simply like a, uh, a chess move that gave you a safe emotional mental place? I think that the Consent Project in a lot of ways was um, an act of activism in a very classic form. You know, I'm still very much a victim of revenge porn. I get threats every day and I'm violated every day by people still and I will... Still today? You yeah, get threats every day? Yeah, of course. Now I get it for being a feminist and or I still get it for the old pictures and I'm never ever going to apply for a job or have a boyfriend or have a friend or... I'm never ever going to know when I meet a new person whether they've seen me naked as a 17-year-old. Um, and that's just a basic premise in my life. And that's never going to disappear. I think what did change with the Consent Project was that, you know, at least I was allowed to decide how we talk about what happened to me. And that's what made me so angry, because a lot of us are victims of things that are out of our control. Uh, we can lose our job, we're poor, we have a body that we don't like, or we, a lot of things can happen. But what really makes the difference to me is how do we get to talk about it? Who gets to decide what words are used to talk about me? Who gets to decide the way that people talk about what happened to me? And I wanted to make that decision. And I thought the way that people were talking about me was fucked up. And I didn't want to hear it. And that power I have now, but the power to not be violated, is, not, is a power, not a power I'll ever have. How did this all happen like before the internet? Because I guess this wouldn't have happened oh, without oh, the internet. Oh, it did, of course. Are you kidding? Yeah, in the beginning, uh, in the end of the 70s and beginning of the 80s, it was possible to send pictures of your girlfriend to Hustler magazine without her knowing, and then they would publish it without asking her first with her full name, and that's kind of how revenge porn began, yeah. Really? Yeah, and like, this is a kind of classic thing. Um, in the army back in the day, people used to show the pictures of their girlfriends uh, to their friends and stuff like that, so assholes have always existed. <laughs> I think that's, that's not that's something that our generation <laughs> invented. Um, and I think that that's also what actually mattered about the Consent Project to me, because I wanted really to make people understand that there is this misunderstanding that the reason people like revenge porn is because they just love naked chicks so much. But that's not the thing. They want people who haven't consented. They are attracted by the idea of non-consent. They're attracted by the idea of the violation. And that's why I could never see it as a goddamn compliment, as so many people have asked me to. Can't you just be happy that they like your breasts? <laughs> no. <laughs> And I think that's the core of this issue, that we have to realize that we live in a society that heavily sexualizes non-consent. Like, take one of the most famous pictures on Earth, one of the most sexiest pictures on Earth is Marilyn Monroe standing on the air shaft and her dress blowing up, right? 
There are like tons of pictures of Marilyn Monroe in a bikini. Why are they not as famous? Because in the picture with the dress, we're seeing more than she consents to showing us. It's sexy because she's trying to hold it down. She doesn't want us to see it. But we like it because we're seeing a little more than she wants. And that thing, as a cultural construct and as a way of looking at female sexuality, that's interesting to me. Where do you think that comes from, the idea of lack of consent? Because you're right, there are so many consensual breasts on the internet. It's not like there's, oh, well, there's not enough of the, the ones they wanted to show us. We have to find some others. There's I wonder, like, I wonder, such a lack of breasts in modern society. <laughs> yeah, Where will I find them? There's millions and millions and millions of at least apparently consensual breasts on the internet. Why are people looking for non-consensual breasts? And, and where do you think that is coming from? I don't think that there is one type of revenge porn lover out there. There are different, very many different people, and I can tell you from different parts of society, different ages, different jobs, whatever, it's very diverse who calls you a whore, but they all call you a whore. Um, We're getting so many t-shirt <laughs> slogans out of this. That's such a good Make t-shirt. some badges. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they all call you. <laughs> and, but I think that what it is is an exertion of power over a person. It is getting aroused by power. And I think that that was what was so absurd to me. Because when this happened to me in the beginning, I thought, okay, this is extremely fucking humiliating, but it's no surprise that there are people out there who like naked women. I've known this for a while and I will continue to know this. The thing that was surprising to me was that random ass guys were sending me messages asking, you know, do your parents know? Or have you gotten fired? Or have you lost many friends? Like random people asking me to what extent has your life been ruined by this? Wow. And that is not acceptable to me. And that's what made me a feminist. Because that was understanding, you know, this is not about me personally. Like, this could be any woman. Basically, they're writing a message saying, what else did you lose other than your dignity? Yeah. Because I'd like to hear some more of those details. Oh, really? You got kicked out of school? Tell me more. Yeah, it's like, Like, oh, oh, you obviously have no worth to me. Who else do you have zero worth to? And I think that also in the intro, it's important to say that the consent project wasn't something that happened like two weeks after I was a victim of this. It happened three years after. And three years that were extremely, extremely painful. And um, I I still find it very difficult to talk about. Uh, It's just um, knowing that so many people don't consider you human is not really an emotion that you forget. I mean, I'm thinking the internet sometimes feels like an enemy because that's why we get these threats. But that also gave you and give us all an opportunity to to take back some of that because we can reach out to a wider audience. Could they do that in the 70s? Was there a way of reclaiming that? I don't think so. I don't think that there was any way that a private person could reach the audience that a Hustler magazine has. Not at all. And I think that that's the thing with the internet. It is that it's a fairly fair representation of what society looks like. Yeah, I often think how many people were thinking these things anyway, but they just had no platform to say them. Because they're not really going to show up at work and say that kind of thing. There was just no outlet. And now it's like a little valve where you can say something really terrible. And I think sometimes people are very uh, angry, depressed, 
uh, in their own lives, and this, they have this little valve that they let out something really mean. And sometimes when trolls have been made to confront the people that they've trolled, they themselves have broken down and they've apologized. Yeah, and it's, it's embarrassing to be an asshole. It's shameful. There's a reason that these people are keeping it a secret who they are, because, you know, using hatred in order to gain power over others is um, a very shameful act, as it should be. If you could turn back time and you could stop the internet ever happening, ever coming to humanity, would you? No. No, I don't think so. I think, you know, the people who did that to me, they would have found other ways to ruin women's lives. They would have thrown stones at them or something. There have always been misogynist pieces of shit who do what they can to make women feel that they're not worth anything. And the internet have given a way for women to tell other women that they're worth anything and to let other women tell them that we're worth something. And that is much more powerful than the others. So you think on balance the internet's good outweighs the evil? Yes. That's my I mean, it's certainly very convenient for booking train tickets. It really is, though, right? And that's the thing I would really miss, that kind of stuff. And you know, like, how did people find houses where they haven't been before? I know, (laughs) I now don't know what I did before the internet for, like, most of my life. Like, I can... If the internet was taken away and it was just phone books and phones attached to the wall... I would just cease to... I don't know how I'd go back I to it. It would take a long time like, to relearn. How did people procrastinate before? Like, if they were bored and they were like, oh, I don't want to do homework anymore. And they didn't go on Facebook. They didn't go on Instagram. They didn't play Bubble Trouble. What did they do? God, I actually can't remember procrastination for the internet. <laughs> they re, we, we weren't reading Proust, I don't think. No. What? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. What? Any, anyone can remember before the internet? <laughs> Just if you can remember before the internet, wave. What did you do? What did you Sudoku? do to procrastinate? But I also literally feel nothing like before the internet. I not also, even Sudoku. I feel like even if the internet didn't exist, you're the kind of person, you, then you would be the person to invent the internet. Like if you saw, your, if you saw the photo in Hustler Stop of you, it. you'd be like, you piece of, I'm going to invent the internet so I can tell people that you're a piece of shit and I'm worth something. 
I'm going to send you an evil smiley yeah. through this that I'm I just invented. I'm going to invent the smiley and then I'm going <laughs> to... The angry smiley. The internet was, was started up so, so somebody could send emoticons. Is that what you're No, it's for it's dick pics. Oh, it's definitely for dick it's pics. It's true, it's true. Every new technology is originally used for dick pics, apparently. Uh, it's true. The first Have ever... you seen cave paintings? I mean, the original dick pics. It's true. And the first, the first ever films were pornographic films. I mean, the ones we know about are trains coming towards the audience and, like, factory workers. But the real That's first ever films... <laughs> And did you know, like, speaking of generations that are narcissistic, that the first picture ever was a selfie. He was standing with this huge machine next to him into a mirror, and he's kind of, like, smiling awkwardly. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. That's the first picture was a selfie? Yeah. <laughs> he's kind wow. of, like, looking like, oh, how's this going to end up? And I can just tell that he's has, he, he has a double chin, so I think he took it again. Oh, brilliant. And um, then it instantly applied an Instagram filter. <laughs> Valencia, smack the that second on there. picture he ever took was of his lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Brunch with the homies. <laughs> what I, what I really, I went to see you do uh, a talk with Susanne Breuger on Thursday, which I was very happy to see because that was amazing. And there was a one point, uh, it was like a feminist event, and I, the room was full of feminists. I share some of you in this room with that. And there was a woman who stood up and said, um, "But what are we fighting for?" Because I spoke to my son, and he said, I don't get to talk about feelings uh, because I'm a boy. And then this woman said, so, you know, what are we fighting for? Why shouldn't we fight for the men? And everyone in the room, I mean, we just turned blind because we rolled our eyes so far back in our heads. <laughs> and I thought, how is she going to not punch someone just because I don't have that patience that you two obviously have but you gave the most amazing answer in which you not only explained feminism but intersectionality and I was feeling really smug I was like she doesn't know what feminism is and then I was like oh I don't think I knew what intersectionality was <laughs> and I, I do you want to explain what intersectionality is just for everyone else not me I now totally know <laughs> Always when I'm out, I'm asked, why is it called feminism if you're fighting for everybody? Because you seem like a sympathetic person. You don't seem like you hate men, and this is all very confusing. Um, and I say that feminism is the fight against patriarchy. Those two words are interlinked. Patriarchy is the thing we're fighting, and the weapon we're using is feminism. And a patriarchal society is a society where we laud and applaud people who have power over other people. Where we say that the people who have the most power are the most important, that they deserve the better lives, that they deserve more than others. And feminism is critiquing that and saying we want a society where power over others is not something that we clap at. And the wave of feminism that I'm a part of, I don't know if, if, if you seem, feel, feel that you are, but I do at least, is a, is a part called intersectional feminism that was invented by a fantastic black uh, woman feminist called Kimberly Crenshaw in the late 80s. And she said, you know what? I'm not only ever just black or just a woman. I'm a black and a woman at the same time. And those two things are related to each other. And she said, we have to see how our identities intersect. We can be a man and poor, and I can be white and a woman and powerful and you can be you know poor and a lesbian and all these things relate to how we experience the world and to the power that we have and how we are experienced by others and we will never understand power before we understand how all these identities intersect in every single one of us and what that means for the power that we have and the power that we take over others 
intersectional feminism attempts to not only understand that, but also to destroy it. So there are two kinds of people in the world, the people who enjoy power over others and people who feel that power over others is destructive. And I know where I am because <laughs> I have felt what it feels like to be a victim of other people's power. And before we can destroy patriarchy, we have to give our own power away and use that to empower others. And that's why it's called feminism. I think we should, when we go back to London, we should just go into the tube system and stop all the tubes and then play that while people are like stuck on the tube. And that's yeah. how we change the world. So, and then just end it with mind the gap. Yes. <laughs> mind the power gap. Mind yeah. the power gap. We should probably do it in Denmark before we do it in England. But, uh, <laughs> One question. Have a question. Lady there. Hat. There's a woman there in a fantastic hat. Yes. Yeah. Hat. I'm sorry, this is not going to be very good English because I'm a bit tipsy. That's completely fine. Oh, I'm <laughs> jealous. I was just wondering, Emma, because now we've heard about Deborah actually trying to reasoning with a sort of misogynist that is trying to be anti feminist. And we've heard Sophie going, I would just slaughter that guy. I would tell him all words in the, in the dictionary. You've been a victim of this in a way that nobody else can imagine. Would you ever reason one-on-one -on -one with an anti-feminist online? I do it every single day. My logic is this. Despite what has happened to me, I am a ridiculously privileged person. I live a very nice life. I have a college education. I have uh, good money to live for. I'm not lacking in anything. If anyone should be taking their goddamn time on Facebook talking to these idiots, it should be me, and not single mothers or people fighting against transphobia or Islamophobia or homophobia, but straight, white, skinny women with college degrees who have the time to chat a little. And... <laughs> So, yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, what an amazing end. Emma, do you have anything? Like, where can people find you? Do you have anything to plug? Websites, stuff like that? Yes. Actually, I just made a website. Yay. Um, Emma invented Holton. the internet. I invented the internet. <laughs> EmmaHolton.com, where you can uh, find where I'm going to show up and talk. And my Instagram, Emma.Holton. And my Twitter, uh, Emma underscore Holton. Uh, I would love you all to listen to my new podcast, Global Pillage. It's a cultural diversity comedy panel show, and we're casting it very diversely with comedians from all sorts of backgrounds, including Sophie Hagen, who will be representing Denmark. What up? <laughs> and, uh, and you can listen to that on globalpillage.net. Well, the shows will start coming out in June. And also, I have a BBC Radio 4 show called Deborah Francis White Rolls the Dice, which will be out in September. Sophie Hagen, yeah, anything I, to plug? I have a new show called Shimmer Shatter, and it's going on tour. Uh, it starts in October. It's going to run all through to, I think, possibly March next year. I'm bringing it to Denmark in February. February? Feb? In Feb? In early, <laughs> early March, late January. And... Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, and it's going to be all over England, uh, a few countries in Europe, and I'd love for you to come. I would absolutely love for you to come. I saw the show. It blew me away. Thank and you. And she had lowered my expectations and gone, oh, it's not probably going to be as good as the last show. And then I saw it. It just blew me away. And I roared with laughter and then cried at the end. Yeah, you did cry. Yeah. <laughs> that was very uncomfortable. <sighs> You showed so many emotions so easily, and that makes me uncomfortable. Also, I'm on Twitter at Sophie Hagen, S-O-F-I-E-H-A-G-E-N. I'm on Facebook at Sophie Hagen. I am on Instagram, Sophie Hagen, D-K for Denmark, not Dick, but also Dick. And, uh, oh, oh my God, we have a Facebook group. Oh, I'm, we so, do. Pr- I'm so proud. It's, it's like the second best thing about this podcast, apart from the podcast itself. It's, we, it's called the Girls of Feminist Podcast. It's on Facebook, and it's just the best people. It's the best people. Yeah, they're they so are intelligent. Lovely. The this, best people. It's actually where you find the lovely... It's like a lovely cave on the internet full of lovely people. But not in a creepy it's, way. It's just like in a very nice, bright-lit cave full of, full of nice people that are discussing feminism. <laughs> Please really join good. this group. Please join it and find us on uh, Twitter. We're Guilt Femme Pod. Uh, please uh, go on I- to iTunes and rate and subscribe to our podcast. Give it like a good five star rating and then subscribe. It doesn't have to be no, five star. Don't tell them that. They're going to know it's true. Don't give them. Give it the star five rating star. you think it deserves. No and one if that lies happens on the internet. You should all know this. <laughs> <laughs> Just if you don't like it, lie. Or uh, also, like, yeah, you know, five star rate. But also share it with uh, whoever you want to share it with. Uh, please tweet about it. Just you know, try and spread the word if any if you think anyone needs to hear it. I think this episode in particular should be shared. And if you have any uh, suggestions of things you'd like us to talk about, go on the Guilty Feminist podcast on Facebook, join that group, and uh, join the party. There's a real party there. Please give a round of applause and thank you to Emma Halden for coming. Hug me in front of the uh, audience. Uh, uh, no, 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 it's fine. And show the them how much you love me. I'm being I think assaulted. You should, I think you should hug me. Help, send help. It's, it's emotionally consensual. I know you do consent inside. <laughs> to a hug, for God's sake. Could you just. Okay, yeah, no, that, take that back. Take that back. Edit it out. Edit, it out. edit, edit this out. Uh, also, I'm on Twitter at Sophie Never Hagen. say that to anyone, I'm by the on... way. Never say it to anyone and never say that I said it. This is just a pact between us. It was a joke between... Fr- oh, shit. <laughs> also, you have been listening. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.